You're listening to First Conyers Daily Podcast, Daily in the Word, with Pastor John Mark Oliver. Well, good Tuesday morning to you. Today is Tuesday, May the 31st, and can you believe that June is almost here? Um, in my mind, that officially starts summer. I'm not sure if on the weather calendar that starts summer, but uh, this uh, year's over in that sense, and we start the summer, and I was thinking everybody scatters and goes their own way during the summer, and uh, there'll be many of you that are traveling through the summer, and we will we will miss seeing you on a regular basis. Some have been traveling, and so hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend, and uh, yesterday, hope you took some time to reflect and thought of those who paid the ultimate price for our freedoms and liberties that we enjoy. And so, had a good night's rest last night. Woke up yesterday morning and couldn't hardly move my knee and have a gout flare up in my knee. It usually hits my feet, but this time it hit my knees. And so, just a little gouty today. And uh, But hopefully it passes. I was out of gout medicine, so I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that the pharmacy will fill that today. I was reading in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning where we're going to be. And I just couldn't help but respond in just some worship to the Lord in relation to His goodness. And this song came to my mind. Joy through the ages to sing of his. 
hymn is just rich in truth. I especially love that, that he took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, that is Jesus, no sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us or became a sin offering for us. And he took our sins upon him and suffered the wrath of a holy God, the payment for our sins. And in that very moment that we trusted Christ because of his resurrection from the dead, his righteousness was transferred, imputed to us, and we've been declared righteous in God's presence. Um, and I have to remember, remind myself of that every single day because I, like all of you, see your unrighteousness, see your wrong acts, see your wrong attitudes, see your wrong motives, etc. And we're thankful for that by the Holy Spirit because that's what that's what causes us to turn from those. It can, he convicts us of sin and, and, and brings us back into that fellowship with him, recognizing that our sins have been forgiven. But I have to be reminded every day that I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ because of what he has done, not because of what I have done. Well, picking up in verse 18 in context of uh, chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews, what the writer's been telling us is that uh, God disciplines us for our good. He disciplines us so that we might share in his righteousness. Uh, he does discipline us out of his love, uh, not out of a, a punitive sense that we're in Christ. He, he trains us. He disciplines us. He reproves us so that we might um, bring glory to his name and also so that we might have right consequences in our life. But then he goes on and, and to encourage those believers to, to remind them that in, in God's discipline that, that man, we're to buck it up. We're, we're to, we're to, we're to uh, not be discouraged by that, but we're to lift our drooping heads and our shrinking weak knees and, and look into him and uh, not to allow a root of bitterness to grow up in our hearts, etc. But then he picks up in verse 18. He says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and to the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearts beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Quote, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Now here what the writer is going to begin to lay out again is that the new covenant, the new covenant in Christ, our our contract if you will in him, sealed by his blood, is so much greater than the old covenant that was sealed by the blood of bulls and goats and and uh, that we have a greater and a better covenant. And what he's making reference to here is, remember in the wilderness, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, while he was up on the mountain, the children of Israel, for some reason, took all their gold, and, and they made this golden calf an idol which they would worship. And they had forgotten God's deliverance of them uh, from Egypt in such a miraculous series of events and his protection and his provision for them and the moment that Moses goes up on the mountain they they make themselves an idol to worship and you know we too make idols in our life and and an idol is simply anything that we would give our our honor give our life over to 
um, to worship other than worshiping the true God. We often think of idols in that just like this golden calf the children of Israel had made. And that, well, we're not idol worshipers because we don't worship these figures. But can I tell you that, that we all have idols in our life? Uh, some we recognize and some we occasionally may fall back to that we worship that we place that before the Lord Jesus Christ and thank God for his grace and his mercy where the Holy Spirit again convicts us and draws us back that we would have a true worship of him listen I, I've been in phases in my life where even ministry and church can become an idol and God says listen I've got to be first I've not called you to be uh, to be good churchmen only, I've called you to worship me first. And so we have to examine our lives and see if there are any idols, anything that is there. And it can be a good thing, but it supplants where our worship and devotion should be to the Lord Jesus Christ in our, in our lives. And so God's command there, because he was so upset with the children of Israel, that he was bringing judgment on them because they had chosen to worship this golden calf. And he had given the order that if anyone even touches the, the mountain, that they shall be stoned. And here the writer says that Moses even feared. Indeed, he says, Moses, quoting him, says, I tremble in fear. But then he says in verse 22, that great conjunction, but. He says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Now here he's speaking to believers. We have come to Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. Mount Zion was a symbol of the New Covenant, where Mount Sinai was where the Old Covenant was given. So he says, you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to immutable angels, innumerable angels in, in uh, festal gathering, and to a symbol of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So here he compares. The, the old covenant, Mount Sinai, where fear and judgment was, but you now have been brought into the new covenant, and you come to Mount Zion. And he's speaking here of the access that you and I have to the true Jerusalem, the, the heavenly Jerusalem, where the angels are all there worshiping God. And in that place is Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, the mediator, the one who, who is a mediator between us and the Holy God because of his shed blood that he shed for us on Calvary. And we have access to the throne of God, as the writer of Hebrews has already told us in one of the earlier chapters. He says that we're to therefore approach the throne of grace boldly so that we may receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And so where the Israelites under the old covenant didn't have that access to God, they had to go through a priest, they had to go through ceremonial washing, etc., etc., etc. But we in this new covenant and the covenant that we have in relationship with Christ, we can go directly to him. And in that place that we're with him, we can worship him, we can honor him, we can receive his mercies and his graces, and, and all because of the shed blood. And really what mediates for us is the shed blood of Christ. Because God cannot look upon us in our sin condition. He's a holy God. 
But because of the blood of Christ, now we are accepted by God the Father, not of anything that we have done, but all by the blood of Jesus Christ. And here he concludes that thought by saying uh, that Jesus is a mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood, his blood, that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You remember back in Genesis when Cain killed Abel. God had said to Abel, Abel, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. And what, what Abel's blood cried out was, was the, a, a, a cry of vengeance or revenge for his life. But here, the blood of Christ was a payment so that we might have life. And so it speaks a, a far greater message than the blood of Abel could ever speak. His blood was a message of vengeance. Jesus' blood is that vengeance has been paid. The, the wrath of God has been settled because of my blood. And then he concludes, beginning in verse 25, in light of all of this, in light of this great access we have to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape, speaking of the Israelites, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Now, there are a couple of different interpretations of this verse and, and who the writer is speaking to. We know the writer is writing to believers. Um, and there are some that, that hold to the camp that it is possible for a believer one who has placed their trust in Christ can lose their salvation, that we can become apostate and turn from God. Well, that to me just does not fit with the rest of the story of Scripture, that when we've trusted Christ, that it's not anything that we have done, but God regenerates us. We become a new creation in Christ. And all of the work of salvation, the justification, the sanctification, etc., 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 the imputation of our sin to Christ and his righteousness to us, how in the world can that be undone? God has done that. And so I personally take the view of this verse that he's speaking to those who are a community of the believers, but just like in our day, there are many who are a part of the community of the church, but they've never trusted Jesus Christ. They've never made a heart decision to trust Christ, to repent of their sins and surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And in context with the whole of Scripture, I think this is what the writer has in mind. And that there may be some among your community, some among the assembly, who they're part of the church, but they've never trusted. They're a part of the church physically, but they're not a part of the church spiritually, the gathered ones who have come to trust Christ and know him. And so there's this warning that he gives here. And then he says in verse 26, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. You see, there, there are only two things the Bible speaks of that will remain forever, and that is the Word of God, and the nature of God.
that those things cannot ever change. And once more, he's speaking of future events. Once more, the earth and the heavens will be shaken. And that which is not permanent will be shaken away, will be done away with. But that which is, which is permanent, my, his name, who he is, and his word will never be shaken. And if we're in him, if we're in Christ, then we too will not be shaken at those times. And then he says in verse 28, in light, in light of that, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have been made citizens of the kingdom of God if we've been born again. And so he says, let's be thankful. Let's be grateful that we've received that kingdom that cannot be shaken, all because of what he has done, not because of what we have done ourselves. And therefore, in light of that, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And what he concludes here is that in response to this truth, in response to the theology that Christ has paid the price for the penalty of our sins and he's brought us into relationship with him and we're now in this new covenant that cannot be broken uh, our response to that is to worship God acceptably now how, how do we worship God acceptably what Jesus said to the woman at the well those who the father seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth Romans chapter 1 tells us that we're to present our bodies, our whole selves to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. This is your reasonable or acceptable means of worship. You see, worship is not just the songs we sing. That, that's an expression of worship. Worship is our whole life being surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so our response to him today is to worship him in everything that we might do. I want to encourage you today to pray and ask God to give you an opportunity to plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart. And if you recognize that a seed has already been planted there, ask God to give you the wisdom to know how to cultivate that seed. And if God, by his grace, would allow us to witness somebody be saved, wouldn't that be great? And so today, offer your life as a living sacrifice. I, I want to encourage you also this coming Sunday, the first Sunday of June, we are having a Sunday that we're calling Prodigal. I'll be teaching the passage on the prodigal son. And we're going we're gonna to give opportunity for all of us who have prodigals in our lives, whether it be a son or a daughter, a mother or father, where, whoever we may know that is, is, has left, uh, who once maybe we thought were a part of the faith, but have walked away, um, that we would pray for them that they may come back to the Father. And so I want to encourage you, invite others this Sunday morning to our worship service at 10 a.m. who may be a prodigal, or you might want to share the YouTube or the Facebook link with them so that uh, by God's grace, they might listen to the message and they might be saved. And let me ask you this morning, if you're watching today, are you sure, do you know that you know that you know that you've come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you have, then rejoice in that. If you haven't, if you're not sure, reach out to me. Either make a comment in the feed below or through Facebook Messenger. Send me a message and I'd be glad to have some time with you so that you know that you know that you know that you've been born again. Share this Facebook 
on your Facebook feed, if you would please share it so others might hear the good news and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray the Lord blesses you and keeps you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our daily podcast. For more information about First Conyers, visit our website at firstconyers.com.